Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Modern transportation is always evolving, and it's not hard to have noticed the latest trend which has cropped up over the last year or so, and that would be the trend of scooters. And it's one of those scooter brands that I'm talking to today on the podcast. We have Lime's Chief Marketing Officer, Duke Stump, who is telling us all about how he is pushing the brand forward. And by the way, Lime just crossed 100 million rides, so this is a very big deal. It's a very big player in this industry. And he's talking about how through things like personalization and localization and capturing of real stories, Lime as a brand is able to stay authentic and truly market itself through the people who use it every single day. And we talk a little bit about some of those stories as well in this interview. But I'm going to sit back and let you listen to this yourself. I'll scoot away, so to speak, and let you hear directly from Lime's Duke Stump. All right, everybody, I'm here with Duke Stump from Lime. Duke, thanks very much for joining the show today. It's great to be here. Thanks, Adam. I uh, can't wait to get into all of the new things happening with Lime, of course, crossing the 100 million ride mark last week. But want to start off with just your journey to this point. How did you get here? What's going on? What's new with Lime? Other than that milestone, which is obviously very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, my entry into Lime, I, I started in the fall of last year consulting. And candidly, when I first looked at the business, I was like, okay, it's a scooter business. It's somewhat interesting, but it's foreign to me. And then um, once I got into the company and started looking at it, I was like, wow, this is so much more than a scooter company. I was learning about transit equity. I was learning about congestion and pollution. And uh, and then at that point, uh, they had the CMO opening. I said, you know what? This sounds like a pretty good gig. So I was fortunate to... Uh, joined the company in January. Yeah. And I guess now that you've been there for uh, the better part of a year and you've learned so much since coming on as, a, on as a consultant, could you just sum up briefly like what Lime presents and provides to the world then? Yeah. I mean, in simple terms, Lime is all about micromobility, providing access for transportation uh, throughout the world. Um, we just reached, as you mentioned, 100 million rides, um, a little over two years, two years old, which is, I think in many ways, uh, shares that it's one, it's relevant and it resonates with people. Um, it's a global entity in the fact that we're uh, over 120 cities right now, five continents. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a heck of a journey. But I think what the biggest thing is in a relatively short amount of time, um, how uh, the adoption rate from people across the world. And so you're vastly uh, growing globally, and that, I'm sure, presents its own set of uh, intricacies. I don't know about difficulties, but certainly localities, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I want to start first with the power and impact of, of course, Unlock Life, which is what we have seen to date. And I want to know how you're positioning the brand going forward, either within that lens or beyond it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. I think great brands stand for something in the world, and um for us, and that what you stand for is what you believe. And our mission is that we actually want to make cities more livable. So when we look at the current uh, landscape, there's this urbanization zeitgeist. There's more people living in cities than outside of cities uh, for the first time in human history. Right. And that number is only going to grow exponentially over the next 25 years when they anticipate another 2.5 uh, billion more people. So with that actually comes some challenges and in fact uh, we always say our foe is not the unbundling of the car our foe is congestion 
pollution, inequality, um, et cetera. And so when we look at this space, we just actually see this amazing opportunity to provide uh, people with the gift of time, clean, safe rides, um, access, et cetera. Um, um, and then the other thing for us is it's not, you don't look at it this way generally, but the, you know, normally we're looking at the space from A to B. But the wide lens in which we look at it, we also look at things like isolationism. You know, in a world where there's all this connection from technology, it's a more disconnected world than ever before. And so how can the role of mobility play a key pivot in terms of isolationism to connection? That's really interesting to be able to, I, I hadn't thought about it from the isolation perspective, but um, that's certainly something that is very valuable to people who don't have access to be able to give that. Um, I'm reading off of some notes here uh, for, for listeners, but you, you've stated also that so the purpose of Lyme to reimagine urban life through the wonder of mobility. And you've just talked about how you're expanding all over the world. And I wonder how you keep those experiences then personalized, localized. Um, some might say authentic. I want to get into how you define authenticity for the brand in a little bit. But uh, how, how are you going by creating these sort of localized environments and personalized experience for your riders all over the place? And as you open new geographies, how does that change? How does that expand? How does that, uh, how does that add to your best practices for a best-in-class Lyme experience? One of the beauties of our brand is we're decentralized. And what I mean by that, there's no uh, command and control. It's not like we're in San Francisco and we dictate what everyone needs to do around the world. Right. But what we do is we create the conditions and clarity for what the brand stands for. And then anytime we enter a market, we actually adopt a hyper-local role. So one is we actually have, we hire mainly just uh, local people in market mm -hmm. who have a great sense of empathy and understanding for the marketplace. I think the other than the next thing is just our actions and our behavior. They'll, they'll differ. So for example, we just lost, launched Germany uh, a couple months ago, and in particular, Berlin was a big focus for us. And so we, we felt we needed to be uh, hyper-local to really understand the German marketplace. So simple things. The, our brand campaign there was done by Wild Postings and Out of Home. And if you've ever been to Berlin, I mean, Wild Postings are a form of communication and a form of the culture. Um, conversely, when we go to Brazil next month, it'll be a different strategy, which will be highly digital. And so the, the key takeaway for us is there's a heartbeat that's consistent throughout the world in terms of what we stand for, but how it manifests and how it takes shape in each market is different. And that's the beauty of our decentralized model um, because it allows us to be locally relevant and resonate, um, but also I think uh, expand in a way that's unique to, uh, to each market across the, across the world. Yeah, for sure. And being decentralized means that you will get as close as possible to your riders, to, to your customers, to, to your prospects, people who I'm sure are considering their first uh, trip with Lime. I want to dive a little bit into the term of authenticity is what this show is all about, but I, I think it's a good dovetail because it would seem that by getting as true as possible to the experience and personality of those to whom you are serving in these markets, uh, you are becoming as authentic as possible for the brand. But I'm going to stick to that word. I want to know how you define authenticity for Lime. I mean, in many ways, I think great brands and great cultures stand for something and that what they stand for is a belief or a belief system. And so in many ways, the authenticity comes from being genuine to those beliefs. And um, I don't think the world is asking for perfection. I think it wants honesty. So in many, way, in many ways, whatever 
any brand stands for, it's a promise. And our, it's our promise to our constituents, and our constituents are city officials, non-riders, riders. Um, and the ability to be true to that is the key for us in terms of uh, authenticity. Yeah. So then w with that in mind, I'm sure with all of these lives that you're touching in one way or another, millions and millions of stories, I guess statistically 100 million as of last week, are being told of folks who are experiencing the brand, enjoying their experience, and sharing it either personally with friends or just telling a story. And I know this is something that, that Lime has uh, captured in some ways. I want to know some of the ways in which you do so. And I, I specifically know there are a few uh, very nicely produced stories that are available online. I hope you can get into that a little bit. But what are some of the ways in which you capture the stories of ex and experiences of your riders? So what's, in, what's important is not our story. Our, the, what's important to us is what we're enabling in the world. And so, for example, there's a couple of uh, examples. One is um, we, uh, about four months ago, this amazing uh, individual named Stacy Kawahata came on board our brand, and she's the head of global content and strategy, and she came from Vice. And what she's done on social is she's created franchises based off of UGC. So, for example, there's um, cities, people within cities, people within looks. Um, how people are using mobility, et cetera, um, how people are using group rides, one of our key features that we just launched. And so there's that element. I think the other thing for us is just to tell beautiful stories such as uh, Carlos in LA. And he's an interesting uh, background in that he was one of our power riders. We met him at a power rider as someone who uses Lime more than 12 times a month. And we had a focus group in LA and he was one of the individuals in that focus group. And we were really uh, attracted to just uh, his narrative. So uh, he couldn't afford a car, can't afford Uber and Lyft. He takes a bus, he works hourly. So unlike, let's say myself who has the luxury if I show up 20 minutes late, it's no big deal. He's gotta show up on work at that hour. So right. it, it's, for, it's for livelihood for his job. His commute was reduced from about two hours to 40 minutes on a Lime scooter. So there's the whole notion of it's a, a, a livelihood theme for him to get to, to work. It awful, also offers up a sense of freedom. You know, he can work on his schedule when he wants to get to work. He's not beholden to a bus or an Uber or a Lyft, et cetera. Um, on Friday nights, he gets to explore. He and his buddies all uh, grab Lime scooters and they explore not just his neighborhood, but neighborhoods that he's never seen within LA. Um, he loves going to the beach. You know, he hadn't really been to the beach before, so he gets to see the beach. And so I think in many ways, it's not our story as a, uh, that's not what we're trying to share. We're trying to actually share what Lime and this movement is enabling. And I think the story of Carlos is just but one example. So you have Carlos in this focus group, you, you hear all these amazing things. How did you go actually about documenting that story and, and turning it into something for the world to see? So we actually created a short film. I mean, we, had, we live by the premise that see, feel, change. When people see something, they're more likely to feel it and change. And film is such a, a powerful tool in terms of storytelling. Yep. And so we, we created a short film. And um, I think what was great about it was no script. Uh, it was just real, uh, real in terms of whatever he wanted to share. We had an amazing director named Kara Stricker, and we did it in collaboration with Anonymous Content, which is arguably one of the best film houses, and it's spe specifically 
Inside Anonymous is a group called The Lab, which is this amazing think tank creative house on film. So you were just able to say, just tell your story and just document that and, and cut it, splice it together and turn it into this wonderful narrative for, for everybody else to hear. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said, even going back to the idea of authentic, yeah. I, I mean, to me, I think people can sniff out scripted pieces pretty quickly. I think that's right. And with Carlos, the beauty of it was it was his narrative. And all we were there to do was capture the narrative um, and through the power of film. Yeah. I mean, film is definitely an empathy machine in that you can feel and I think you get a sense of who the characters are. And what we loved about telling Carlos's story was is just the celebration of who he was, how he lived, but also what this brand and this movement has meant to him Yeah, through his eyes and his words. Yep. And there's no better way to do that, honestly, to see it directly through the eyes of your uh, consumers, fans, followers, all that. And we love that, talking about that on the show, too. It's also great to, to hear about his story and how not only it benefited him personally, but also how he had this, this group with him that he was able to, to move to action as well. I'm sure that those experiences happen all over the world. I'm sure it's been great for Lime as well as a business. I want to go back to something I was curious about. Can you talk about group rides for a second? Because I the only way I see Lime in, in my hyper-locality, which is Arlington, Virginia, is I'll see people riding around on scooters. So when I think of group ride, I'm thinking, like, that sounds like a dangerous experience on a scooter, but obviously it's not. Can you explain? I mean, it's interesting. The The use of Lime is so varied and diverse, which is beautiful. Like, we just did a study in Oakland, which was 80% of all rides are to transit, to mass transit. So, for example, if I get off the 19th uh, Street Coliseum BART exit, I just see a sea of limes there. And so it's that modality. We've also seen where for a sense of joy. I mean, if you look on people on scooters very quite often, you'll see smiles and laughter. I mean, there's a childlike wonder to, I think, riding on a, a scooter. Right. But there's a lot. It, there's a social element around it as well. I mean, people want to go out and connect and do things together. And so we offered up the group ride feature, which allows one individual to unlock up to five scooters so that that group can enjoy, quote-unquote, a group ride. Oh, got it. So not everybody needs to have Lime in order to, if somebody can unlock it for themselves and four friends? Correct. Yeah, it's actually an easy, it's a great way for us to introduce Lime to others as well. So I would think that so. I think sometimes there's a hesitation, like, how does this thing work? Is it easy? And then what we found is once people are actually on a, on a scooter and on a Lime, there's a high adoption rate. It's just getting people to do that. So group ride not only fulfills the uh, social connection piece, yep. but also enables us to introduce Lime to uh, people that otherwise might not use it. Yeah, I would guess so. That's interesting because at first when I heard that, I was like, group rides, like, how would that even work? But it makes obvious sense now. And good observation with regard to how people feel they're on a scooter because scooters have like proliferated obviously all over the place. And in the DC metro area where I am, it is it largely, a young, it appeals to a younger audience. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's genuinely, it sort of reminds me of like when scooters, like Razor scooters first were really popular, you know, many, many years ago. Um, they first came on the scene. I'm starting to see that again. It's like that same childlike wonder, even if it's not somebody who is young themselves on the, on the scooter. Very cool. Very cool. I'm interested to know, so you've been with Lime now for let's say roughly a year in different capacities now obviously leading uh you know since january directly where do you see the brand going forward obviously you've talked about geographic expansion um but i want to know on what other dimensions you foresee lime growing or evolving as a brand over the next couple of years 
couple things. One is, so a lot of our focus was the first mile, last mile. We're seeing also an opportunity to increase that from two to five miles. Um, I think the stat is something like over half of all rides are less than three miles in most cities. Mm -hmm. um, so are an opportunity to, I think, increase the skit, the, the lens for how we look, look at the ridership and the, and the distance. Um, but I th actually think more importantly in terms of the vision of you know three or five years from now, I go back to once again what we're enabling. For us, it's that hundred million rides is a beautiful, crazy number, especially in two years. But what's really resonates with us is the what's the story behind the hundred million, and what we see is, you know, if we're spending six point nine billion hours a year in congestion, you know, in three to five years, what can people be doing with the gift of time? Know that now that they have a new modality and a new a new way of traveling around. Instead of living with pollution and just accepting that, what does it mean to have clean, healthy uh, ridership opportunities? Instead of being isolated, we can talk about a little bit uh, the LA campaign that we're about to launch. How do we get the world to feel less disconnected and isolated to a more connected world? Um, and then the other thing for us is just on access. You know, I didn't know this going in. One of the things that really intrigued me about this whole opportunity was most cities actually are built and designed historically to not to basically uh, not serve the underserved communities. So transit basically stops. So access to transportation has an amazing impact. And so our ability to kind of look at how we look at transit deserts to make them transit oasis. Hmm. Um, through access is a huge thing. We've we're actually seen that in the Oakland study where once again, we were allowed, we, through our deployment, we're enabling people to get access. You know, 80% of the people are accessing BART um, is a huge phenomenon. So long story short, the vision more is we'll know we're successful and it's yes there's numbers and those things for sure are important but if we see society adopting and understanding um the purpose and the beauty and the bounty and the wonder of this micro the micro mobility movement then that's really ultimately our vision right let's talk briefly about what, what what's going on in la there just as you mentioned and then i, I want to ask you for some advice but I'll, I'll do that in a second can you talk about what you're doing in la uh, you said next week i think you know, what's unlock life in simple terms is our uh, is an external manifestation of how we hold the world, and it it basically we're not looking at changing cities, but we're obsessed with what's happening within life within urban environments. So it's this whole idea of we want to make cities more livable, and so as we look at each city, each city is different. You know, L.A. is different from Sao Paulo, which is different from Berlin in terms of what's what it is that they need most from this the, the micromobility. And um, in L.A., next month, we're launching this uh, campaign that will be roughly 90 days. And L.A. obviously is a big market for us. Um, but L.A., there's a great quote. L.A. is 72 suburbs in search of a city. And having lived there for many, many years, it also is a place where you can feel really lonely. In fact, I think Jack Kerouac called it the loneliest city in, in the world. Um, and so our campaign around Unlock LA is basically how does this movement um, allow us to connect and see, even Carlos, who I was telling you about earlier, would talk about how he could see LA 
from a completely different lens. And he actually felt that people saw him, which is something that he's never felt on a bus. And so our ability to, uh, in simple ways, connect LA, um, and also simple things like we're launching our first ever ambassador program called the Urban Optimist. And it's us supporting those people within LA who are doing meaningful work around connection and community orientation, um, but also have mobility as a, a key part of their, their daily lives. Yeah. Well, can't wait to see how that, how that proliferates. And I'm sure that same you know, mentality uh, is across all the different geographies in which Lime operates. The last question I have is around advice, because many people who listen to this show uh, are either marketers, students of the craft, want to build a brand like Lime, maybe someday, uh, or maybe are at a budding brand themselves and looking to make that a better experience for its customers. Curious, from your experience, some advice you may have on how to become a more authentic marketer or to take the first step towards building a more authentic brand? It's a great question. I would start with a couple of things. I think the first thing is you got to be clear what you stand for. You know, I always have this like fundamental question everywhere I go, which is got to be able to ask, what does the world need most that you're most uniquely qualified to offer? And with that, you can actually then have a point of view that's relevant, uh, that serves a, uh, an audience. And also it's a little bit of a niche. Um, I think the other part of that, though, is you have to have courage because within that there will be the voice of cynicism and the voice of judgment and asking you to play safe and do simple things. And um, I think great brands exhibit an incredible amount of courage. I mean, even one of my uh, former places of work at Nike, I mean, the Colin Kaepernick campaign in many ways was controversial and there was cynicism and judgment, but it was having been there, that was an easy call for them because I know that's what they believe dating back to the even the era of Steve Prefontaine and it's all about the athlete. Mm -hmm. So I would say there's that piece. And I think the other thing is just empathy. I think getting to really understand those you serve in a meaningful way is such a key piece. I think we can easily just default to, oh, we know everything. I mean, it's why we do the power user focus groups is like, hey, what's really happening in your world so that we can see um, and evolve and adapt? And in fact, that's one of the beautiful things about our engineering team is that we're constantly taking new insights like group ride and bringing in uh, bringing into play learnings and that's all comes from empathy yeah so being empathetic and providing that something unique uniquely qualified for it's great advice duke i can't thank you enough for joining the show today it was great talking to you learning about uh, what lime is going to do for the next 100 million rides and for now it's been a pleasure talking adam thank you so much for your time Thank you so much to Duke Stump from Lime for joining the podcast. It was really great to talk to you and cheers to the next 100 million rides. That really is a crazy number. If you like this show, I normally tell you all the ways you can connect with us. And of course, those exist, LinkedIn, email and the like. But this time around, I would just ask you to leave a rating and review no matter where you listen. If it's Apple Podcasts, if it's Google, if it's Spotify, wherever you can, I'd appreciate that feedback in that public forum. It's really great to see and it always helps me improve the show for you. I'll be back again in just a couple of days with a new podcast about how another great brand is striving to become more authentic each and every day. And you can plan to hear from me for the foreseeable future every couple of days. I've said in the past that we've had a great blessing of volume of interest in appearing on this show, and that's led to only allow me to provide more to you, the listener. So every couple of days for the next, I'm guessing, a couple of months, 
you'll hear from me and another great company will be on tap. So until then, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.